turn to Luke chapter 10, and we'll be in verses 25 through 37. So grab your Bible. When you get to Luke chapter 10, look around at your family and look at us here on the screen and say, Jesus. All right. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, Westside. It is good to be with you and to be invited into your homes. Um, I just want to say that I miss you guys greatly. And um, may we never take for granted what it is to gather corporately together and to love on each other um, during these trying times. And so what we've done is last week we started a series on washing hands and feet and we have partnered together with community churches. Uh, my good pastor friend, Pastor TJ at our neighbor church, Bluff First up the road, have put our gifts together and tried to do what we could do best, which is just unify the body at this time because we are going through things um, corporately as a church body here in Popper Bluff that, and really around the world that we've never experienced before. And so we're trying to live in these two worlds of um, washing hands, which is the COVID-19 outbreak, but also washing feet. And, and just to review what we said last week was, is, is we know how Jesus would respond in the midst of a crisis. Um, the night before that he was to be crucified, he was to be betrayed just a few hours before that, he washed his disciples' feet. And so we said to start all of this off, during a time like this, Christians are concerned for others they're not consumed with themselves. What makes Christians stand out is not this self-preservation mindset, 
but rather it is selfless passion and love and care for other people. And, and this, week, uh, this week, just as a way of introduction, um, you know, in, in, in times like this, we, we evaluate what we believe. And so um, in a moment like this, in a crisis, we really have to ask ourselves, like, why am I a Christian? Why am I going through some of these things? What do I believe in these moments that are going to make me behave a certain way? And what we have to do is we sort of have to anchor something in, in history, in, in like fact and real reality. And, and one of the persuasive things for me as to why I'm a follower of Jesus is that Christianity is not birthed out of myth, but it's a historical fact. We know about this Jesus who lived in the Middle East, had these followers. We know through Roman history that Jesus was crucified. Um, he died a criminal's death. And then even through Roman history that something happened on that Sunday, that, that resurrection Sunday that, that exploded the followers and people to convert to Christianity. Well, one of the things in moments like this that I try to anchor my faith in is, is asking the question, um, how did Christians respond and behave um, in the past in a moment like this? And we actually have a historical piece of evidence. It's called the Apology of Arsidius. And, and it's written about 130 A.D. It's not really far removed at all from the writing of the Gospels and the first generation, second generation of Christians. And basically what it is, is, is it's a governor writing to the Roman emperor. So think about it this way. If Governor Parsons was writing a letter to President Donald J. Trump about what the Christians were doing in the state of Missouri during that time, that's what the Apology of Arsidius is. Now, listen to these words. Dear governor, I'm sorry, dear emperor, they do not worship strange gods, and they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as if, as if he is a fellow brother. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted or sick on account of the name of their Messiah, all of them anxiously minister to his necessity. And if there is any among them that is poor and needy and they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food. And now listen to these words. Such, O king, is their manner of life. And verily, this is a new kind of people. And there, O emperor, is something divine in their midst. Oh, may that be said of us during this season, amidst this pandemic. May the history books record something like that and look back on this time and say, it was the Christians who lived differently during this pandemic. It was the Christians who shined so bright. And one of the foundational passages to, to love one another this way is the very famous story that was read to you, the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. What's interesting and important to know, though, is this, 
that in Luke chapter 10, the entire chapter is about being a disciple of Jesus. So, so listen, um, love Mr. Rogers, right? Love Mr. Rogers. But the Good Samaritan isn't just a Mr. Rogers-esque story. The Good Samaritan is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, that's what the story is about in the context. And so I want to spend just a few quick moments and look at this. What's the barrier of discipleship? What's the blueprint for discipleship? And then what's the basis? What undergirds all of this? The first thing is this. What's the barrier to discipleship? The context is, is that a lawyer stands up uh, to put Jesus to the test. Okay, So this lawyer is not like the, um, uh, what's the movie, the Tom Cruise or the truth. I want the whole truth. You can't handle. It's not that kind of lawyer. Okay, It's a lawyer who has studied the Old Testament law. And so Jesus is this controversial figure going around teaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. So this lawyer stands up and he's going to try to put him on front street, put him on blast in front of everybody. And he goes, I can get Jesus this way and ask the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? Jesus says, how do you read it? And he says, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And, and, and with your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus, verse 28, ding, 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 you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Um, first off, Jesus said, do this and you will live. Um, Jesus didn't say, memorize this and quilt it on blankets and you'll live. You see, um, the guy already knew what that was, but Jesus kind of already shifts the conversation and says, do this and you will live, which is to love God with everything. And the result of loving God is to love our neighbor as ourself. And so Jesus says, do this and you will live. But then here it is, verse 29. But, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus and who is my neighbor? I love the desiring to justify himself. Um, husbands, guys, how's that ever gone for you in the conversation, right? But desiring to justify himself, who is my neighbor? Um, the problem's in the question. He, he's engaging with Jesus and he keeps trying to say basically, um, hey, Jesus, where, where is the line? And then desiring to justify, justify, not the Justin Timberlake album, but justify to make yourself right. You see, he's not concerned about loving a neighbor as much as he is concerned about being right. And, and listen, disciples, disciples don't justify themselves. Uh, disciples deny themselves. We learned a few weeks back that Jesus says the invitation to be a follower of his is to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. So listen, the barrier, what I'm trying to get at and what we see from the lawyer of being a follower of Jesus is this. We don't come to Jesus and negotiate who we're going to love and who we're not going to love. 
That's the barrier to discipleship. If we come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, want to be a follower of yours, love the whole eternal life thing, think that's going to work out great for me in the end, you know, love the kind of all of the following, the command, the don't judge, love the don't judge thing. That's fantastic. But I have this area in my life that is my routine, the people that I love, how I spend my money, and that's sort of mine. You see, we don't come to Jesus and negotiate who we can and who we can't love. That's that's the barrier of discipleship and in this entire context. And then Jesus shifts gears and says, um, this is the blueprint. This is what it looks like. And he tells the story. But listen to the characters, right? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31. Now, by chance, a priest. Like this is the guy in town that if you surveyed, hey, who do you think in your town's going to heaven? The priest. The priest is. But Jesus says um, he was going down the road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. It doesn't say it in the text. But when Jesus says passed him on the other side, It almost implies that he was walking down the side of the road that the injured man was on, saw him, and crossed over to the other side of the road. That he literally went out of his way to not help the man. So that's very controversial. The second person is this, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This is a person of ethnicity and race that would have been thought very highly of. And Jesus said, that person didn't stop. And then Jesus does the mic drop moment. He says, well, sometimes we do this. I just want you to do this right there in your living room or wherever you're watching this. I'm going to say, but a Samaritan. And when I say Samaritan, I want you to, (gasps) I just want you to gasp right with your ex. Because God forbid we have fun reading the Bible, right? Verse 33. But a Samaritan, exactly, a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and then did this. Um, You got to understand that that Jesus is saying the person that you would least think would help is the person that helps. The Samaritan is the neighbor. And, and, And what is it even to be a neighbor? Well, he meets needs. That's what the Samaritan does. The Samaritan meets needs. So, so listen, if, if this little rhyme could help you out. Being a neighbor is meeting needs with loving deeds. It, it's not rocket science. And I'm sorry for those of you who are theologians and you love to study the deep things of God and his effectual will and his realistic will, all of those things. Being a neighbor is meeting needs with loving deeds. That's what it is to be a neighbor. But, but what are some steps to know that I'm doing that? What does that look like? Well, I think there's just three simple things. The first one is this. Um, being a biblical neighbor first, it's emotional. It, it starts when, when Jesus says that he saw him. See, everybody else saw him as well. But he saw him and had compassion on him. The word compassion that Luke uses is this massive word in the text. And it literally means um, 
from the bowels, okay? So like Taco Bell experience or something like that. But here's what it means. They thought that that was the sort of the seat of a, the gut feeling, okay? Maybe that's helpful. I, I just have a gut feeling. That's what this word implies. And it's, it's, it's emotion, compassion. Um, here, here's a way to understand, well, wow, am I a compassionate person or not? Well, compassion is the ability to be affected by something that doesn't affect you. Compassion is the ability to be affected by something that doesn't affect you. This Samaritan could have gone on his way. That man's problems don't affect me. But a compassionate person says, that person is in need and that affects me. So it's emotional. It, that's why when they sort of play the video on uh, the commercial about the dogs in a dark, cold hotel room, and the dog shit, right? What are they doing? They're trying to get the compassion is what that is. So that's there, but it's not only just emotional. It is emotional. It's no less than that. But the second thing is this. Um, it's intentional. Because here it is, rocket science. He saw him. He had compassion. And then verse 34. He went to him. He went to him. He, he did something about it. And listen, I just have to say this right now with everything else that's going on in the world, and primarily I'm speaking to my generation here, okay? Um, a Facebook status and a tweet's just not going to be enough. That's not what it is to be the church. That's not what it is to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Those are things that we do to selfishly serve ourselves. Thoughts and prayers. I mean, like, that's okay, that's good. And I hope you do have thoughts and prayers. But there's an intentionality. He went to him. And at the end of this, I'm going to tell you some resources of what you can do to go to those in need. So it's, it's emotional, but it's not just that. It's intentional, but the last thing is this, and this is where most of us stop. It's, it's sacrificial. Um, it's going to cost us something. Look at what the Good Samaritan says. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Oh, look at all these action verbs. Verse 35, and the next day he took out two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper. What's he doing? He's, he's covering the tab. Take care of him. And whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. It, it costs something. Listen, if us as Christians would understand anything, it's that love, biblical love is, is not cheap. And it's not just convenient. Like honestly, honestly, when has loving someone ever been convenient? Like, when does that fit in on your schedule to be compassionate and to be loving? But, but here's what we say all the time. It's in the ordinary day-to-day -day when God does the extraordinary. It's, it's just in the ordinary day-to-day. -day. It's in those inconveniences when the love of God and the kingdom of God breaks through. So what does it look like? It's being a neighbor is meeting needs with loving deeds. That's, that's very simply what it is. It, it starts in our emotions that things that don't affect us now begin to affect us. But now we're intentional. It's not just a Facebook status, but now we're going to where the need's at. And then it's going to cost us something. That love costs something. But I know what you need, and Jesus addresses it. 
if, if I just ended my sermon right here and was like, here's the barrier and this is the blueprint and we just prayed and I said, go do it. I would give you about a week and a half, about a week and a half of being a neighbor, if you will, because there has to be a motivation. There has to be a basis underneath all of this. If we are giving this, we have to be pulling from a reservoir. And it's actually in that real big word. Um, Does anything sound familiar about the Good Samaritan's response when he sees the man in need? Just listen to it read out loud. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Saw him and had compassion. Um, That's almost the exact response. And it's the same word, compassion, that Jesus has when he looks out on crowds. Well, here's what it says in Matthew 9, 36. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you you get it? Here's what it is to be a Christian. Why, Why are Christians generous? Because they understand the generosity of God found in the person of Jesus Christ. Who are you in the story? Because if you thought yourself to be the good Samaritan, that's a problem. Who we are in the story is the person broken and in need on the side of the road. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was emotional, it was intentional, and it was sacrificial. So, so listen, here's how, how can this radical love in times like this, how can we love radically in a time like this? Well, it's very, very simple. You can love radically when you realize that you've been radically loved. That's it. The only way that you can't muster this type of love up deep down inside, this love has to be granted and given to us. And that's what it is to be a Christian during this time. We don't self-preserve, but we serve others because Jesus has served us. Um, If you know me, you know that I'm a fan of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And in times like this, I always remember what my English teacher said, that if you don't know what to say, Find someone who said something a lot better than you. And so I'm a fan of Dr. King. And and the night before um, he was murdered there in Memphis, Dr. King gave the famous speech, I've been to the mountaintop. And he says these words, well, I don't know what will happen now. And we have some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. And longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned with that now. I just want to do God's will. How prophetic. He said that the night before he was murdered. But do you know what his text was that night? And the text that really sort of sparked the entire civil rights movement? It was the Good Samaritan. And Dr. King that night says that the Levite and the priest asked this question. If I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? That's a question of self-preservation that has yourself at the center. 
But then Dr. King thundered that night in Memphis, Tennessee. But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. The Good Samaritan says that if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? You see, Westside, may in these days and weeks ahead, we not ask the question, if I help other people, what will happen to me and my family? But rather, may we go forward in these days and weeks ahead to ask the question, if we don't help other people, what will happen to them? What are some practical ways that we can do that? Well, on our website, westsidepb.org, there is a tab that says COVID-19 care. If you need care or know someone who needs care, fill that form out. We have board members and people that are ready in place to love our neighbors. There's also a community action effort where multiple churches have come together to feed people during this time. And it's called Delivering Hope. You can look it up on Facebook or you can also go to their website. You can sign up and volunteer to drop off food or to deliver food for those who are in need. But listen, may the motivation for us doing those things be not just so we can check something off of our list and say that we've quote unquote been a good neighbor, but may we love radically in these times because we have been radically loved ourselves. So Westside, right where you're at in your home, dads, lift your voice out loud. Let's lead our families in a word of prayer and teach how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.